Now, I, uh, I told you, uh, obviously, that there were a couple of sermons I wanted to go. Here's the second one. And this also was a series that I did, so I'm going to be very concise with this one also. I want to deal with the subject of holiness. Say holiness. holiness. Now, I know when I say that, let me kind of explain to you. Uh, I kind of came, if you will, my early, I didn't grow up in the IPHC, uh, the denomination that we're part of. And so I kind of grew up in a ministry or a church paradigm in which holiness was kind of one of those things that was, those were the religious people. I mean, it, when you talk about holiness, holiness in my mind, it kind of gave me the shivers. Like, when you talked about the term of holiness. And the reason why that was is, you know, in Santa Cruz, I can remember people, you know, your street preachers uh, standing across the bar saying, you guys are all going to hell. You better repent. And them just, you know, you know, and, and these were transient type of guys and that type of a thing. And some of them actually had mental disorders. And so I'm not trying to be funny, but literally. And so my paradigm was like, man, whatever that guy's got, I don't want because they're just mean-spirited people. And so my understanding of holiness was flawed and it was fractured because of this type of a mentality. So I thought, you know, the Pharisees in the church, the Sadducees in the church, the Herodians, the religious people that were baptized in this mean spirit were always the ones that were propagating this idea of holiness. And so I, whenever uh, the, the, the subject or the topic of holiness came about, I was kind of like, well, I think we'll kind of stay away from that subject right over here because I know what that's all about. But really it was how many know that we have to have our mind renewed according to what the word says, not how maybe those within the church that don't have a revelation of it maybe uh, uh, misuse it or they have the wrong spirit about it. Does that make sense? And so the topic of holiness is very, very important, and specifically this concept of uncleanness. Say uncleanness. And I want to kind of help you because the life of the Christian is walking in continual purity. It's not an event. It's actually a process. And so this is one of those things that I want you to understand that when God leads us, he leads us in a process. And oftentimes we have an events mindset within the church rather than understanding that God leads us through processes. And so we have to be a mindful of his processes within our life in order to see the transformation that we often seek and desire. When we live according to events, we'll never see transformation. One day, I remember, you know, 50 years ago when there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Well, have you had an outpouring since then? Right? Or is this just an event? And oftentimes in the church, we have an event calendar mindset rather than this is just a process because this is how we walk our life out as a Christian. And so uncleanness, let me just give you this right here. This term uncleanness is actually used 146 times just in the book of Leviticus. Yes, say Leviticus. The preacher said Leviticus on a Sunday evening revival service. I know it's probably never even been cracked open, maybe. That's how my house is. You know, when we always preach it on this series and said, turn to the book of Leviticus. They're like, is that in the Bible? Leviticus? Where's that at? Really? Leviticus? Is that where all those things that I don't understand? And when I read it, it gives me a headache? Yes, that Leviticus. And so Leviticus is a, 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 a book in which it talks about cleanness and uncleanness. Interestingly enough, in all of the Old Testament, it's used the term 214 times. So again, all in the Old Testament is 214 times. Just in the book of Leviticus, it's used 146 times. And so the word Leviticus is separated. What are we separated from? We're separated from the world system. 
But you're not just separated. You're separated and you have to be, you can be separated from something, but that which you've been separated actually intrinsically can still be part of who you are. So it's not good just to be separated. You have to be separated unto something. And that's where you're separated unto Christ. You're separated unto God. So there has to be that fundamental metamorphosis within your life to where you're separated, but you now no longer look like this. You look like this. So there's a two-part to that separation. So the book of Leviticus is a book of separation. It's a, a book of the priesthood. And so also... In addition to that, in the New Testament, uncleanness in the New Testament is primarily used, you will find out, interestingly enough, in the ministry of Jesus. And I really kind of want to rattle your head, if you will, and really begin to zero in on the ministry of Jesus and his ministry, listen to me very carefully, his ministry of sanctification, Because oftentimes when we look at his ministry, we go, he was the healer, he worked miracles, he cleansed the leopard, he did, you know, open up the eyes of the blind, you know, uh, those who are crippled, etc. All those miracles, and we look at his healing ministry, we look at his, especially his deliverance ministry, and what happens is we begin to see through that particular paradigm, but all of that is on a foundation at its root, it's a ministry of sanctification. I'm going to show you that in the New Testament. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew before we get there. Because we're going to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament. The book of Matthew, chapter 15, when you're there, say amen. Uh, uh, Matthew, chapter 15, verse 15 through 20. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Okay, this is how it starts off in verse 15. So in order to understand that, let's get some context of what he's actually talking about. In order to get the context of what he's actually talking about. How many know he's going to explain the parable, but what was it he said before the parable? Are you here? So when you go to uh, 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 verse 1 and 2, then some of the Pharisees, this is at the top, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of law came to Jesus from uh, Jerusalem and ask, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And then when you jump down to 10, there's a whole discourse that goes on there, but we're going to, for the sake of time, go down to verse 10. Again, this is all in chapter 15. This is all in context. I'm a context guy. It says in verse 10, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand What goes into somebody's mouth does not, what, defile them or cause them, listen, to be unclean. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what makes them unclean or defiles them. Now look up here. What he's talking about is defilement. Now this would have struck into the mind of the Jews. Remember, he's called to the lost sheep of Israel. He's not called to the Gentiles. So they understand the law. So this concept and this imagery of clean and unclean and sanctification and the priesthood and, and that, they would have had an understanding of what Jesus is talking about right here. Now watch this. Where am I? Verse 12? Verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and said, oh, excuse me, let's go to verse 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth That is what defiles them. Then the disciples came and asked, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied in verse 13, every plant 
that my heavenly father, father, here we go. That's that identity again. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And then it goes down uh, to, uh, to verse 15. Then Peter said, explain the parable to us. Now notice this. He's going to speak some kingdom truth here. Are you still so dull? He's talking about their spiritual senses. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. Verse 19. For out of the what? Heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Now listen to me very carefully. In the Old Testament, according to the Jews, everything was about ceremonial cleansing. Say ceremonial cleansing. Jesus right here is bringing a clear distinction between ceremonial cleansing and moral cleansing. Ceremonial cleansing is something that is external. It's on the inside, but Jesus is now elevating internal cleansing, which is where the real cleansing occurs. Now, what you have to understand is as Jews, their whole world was wrapped up and doing everything that they can to be ceremonially or externally cleansed. This was their whole paradigm. And, of course, you can read through the law. There were things. I mean, you touch certain things. If you were around your wife, come on, it's a certain time of the month. You were unclean. If you were in a house and there was mildew in there, guess what? Unclean. At some point, burn down the house. Get rid of it. So in the Old Testament, they were conscious of uncleanness. Or if I can say it this way, they had an unclean consciousness. They were aware. In fact, even, for example... The leper. Now, when the leper, obviously, it was a type of sin. It was an outward manifestation. This is why even disabilities such as blindness or lepers, like today in our culture, in our society, we have uh, sympathy towards those who are disabled. We actually have mercy and we have compassion. For example, I know, you know, you got uh, for wheelchairs, we have we give special preference and access. Why? Because we're mindful or more compassionate towards uh, those who have disabilities. We have special parking by which there's the wheelchair mark. Right. And, 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 and we show compassion towards those. But what you have to understand in the Jewish mindset, this was looked upon as obviously you or your forefathers must have sinned against God. So therefore, this is the curse of God. What did you do wrong? Are you here? This is why the apostles, if you remember, they went to Jesus and said, this man, 
Was he born, uh, is this blind? Was this because of his sin or his forefather's sin? In other words, they looked at an outward uh, uncleanness or a disability or a, a, a sickness, and they determined that in the root, they must have been a sinner against God. Are you here? So, for example, in the Old Testament, with respect to the leper, I mean, we know the story in which, you know, uh, 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 there was uh, the one prophet's, uh, I forget his name right now. What is it? N- name it. Yeah. Basically, yeah. In which the leprosy clung to him, right? So it was a curse that came upon him. But I want you to take into consideration when a leper, for example, a leper understood that they were unclean. Why is that? When they were to walk into a city, we know this if you've read the scripture, what were they to do when they actually walked into a city? They were literally to shout, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine your identity being wrapped up in that you're an unclean person? That everything, wherever you went, you had to declare who you were, that you were an unclean individual. Can you see how there would be much judgment that would come from people? Can you imagine there's a leper coming down the street and your kids are playing out front and all of a sudden you hear a leper, unclean, and come here, kids, come here, get away from the dirty man. Get away from the leper. Well, how come, mommy? Because he's an unclean person. And we don't want to get his uncleanness because uncleanness is contagious. Come on, are you here? So the Jews grew up in this mindset of uncleanness consciousness. That we got to be mindful. And and so it became top-heavy in ceremonial cleansing. In fact, there were even uh, sacrifices that were given if you didn't even know that you were unclean. How do you like that one? I didn't know I was unclean. You're unclean. And that was the whole purpose, that we do not have the capacity to clean ourselves. That ultimately, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who was slaughtered for our sins, that our sins were placed upon him, and that we can truly walk and in eternal cleansing, uh, clen- uh, cleansing. Are you here? So in the Old Testament, we see this, that there was an exaltation of exterior cleansing. Exterior, uh, uh, being uh, mindful of cleansing versus uncleanliness. And Jesus in the New Testament, he elevates internal cleansiness, which is what transformation. You see, true transformation, this is the, this is the reason why Christianity is so different Religious systems demand behavioral change. But in relationship with Christ, it begins internally and works itself outwardly. Just like a tree, if you have bad fruit, externals, how many know it's probably because there's a problem with the roots? Bad root, bad fruit. You don't try to do through behavioral modification, remove the fruit. You've got to deal with the fruit of the issues. Are you here? So God deals with internals, and it works itself on the outside. So in the Old Testament, if you will, it was about external uh, uh, ceremonial cleansing, but Jesus doesn't eliminate cleansings. He just appropriates it to the right places with his internal. In fact, that's what the church is all about. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what fathering is all about is we deal with motivations because we are ministers of what the spirit, which means we deal with the spirit of mankind. 
and the mindsets that are often governed. This is why we need God's cleansing. You know, when we talk about the rain of God or we talk about the river of God, listen, what's the purpose of water? The purpose of water is for cleansing. It's not just for us to feel good or to have a spiritual moment. There's a purpose to why we want the river. There's a purpose to why we want the rain of God to come and to bring cleansing to us and to bring a sanctification, which is not just something that's external, but it's internal. Are you here? So it's very, very important. I want to show you this, how very important that this is. In the Old Testament, I want you to take into consideration. It says this. Let me get there. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 30. Verse 26, I'm going to show you something powerful. Because again, remember, the Pharisees were all about, watch out for people's spiritual cooties. Why are you hanging around those people? Why are you hanging around the drunks? And why are you hanging around the prostitutes? If he truly was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is that's touching him. And so their mindset was, if he's around them and he's in contact, he must be a defiled individual. He must be unclean. He must be an unholy man. You see, it wasn't just about him being a prophet. You know, in today's Pentecostal, it's a prophet. Oh, he's just, he speaks the word of the Lord or it's uh, the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge or the discerning of spirits. No, when you said a prophet, you literally meant a holy man. Come on, are you here? So in the book of Exodus, chapter 30. Then use it, this verse 26 to verse 29. This is talking about the anointing oil. Then use it to the, uh, anoint the tent of meetings, the ark of the covenant, the table and all of its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, and all its utensils, and the basin with its, uh, basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them. Listen, watch this. This is the point I want you to, to, to emphasize. There's a highlight right here. Then shall consecrate them so that they will be most holy. Watch this. And whatever touches them. Say whatever touches. Whatever touches them will be what? Holy. So watch this. The Jews were concerned about ceremonial cleansing. And so they were looking out... For those who had spiritual cooties, don't come in contact because they're going to defile my holiness. Jesus comes around, and according to this, because he's holy, he cannot be contaminated. He brings and imparts actual holiness. So ceremonial cleansing emphasizes the power of uncleanness. Jesus emphasizes the power of holiness. Because according to this scripture, watch this, and whatever touches them. So the power of the anointing oil is stronger than the power of uncleanness. Are you here? And don't we do that sometimes in the church? We create certain systems. Pentecostals have their whole systems of religious mentalities by which we become ceremonial. And we won't reach out to certain people. Because we'll get spiritual cooties. Because they'll make me unclean. Come on, are you here? And we fail to realize that greater is he that is in you than he who is out in the world. And that I cannot be contaminated by the world. 
Because I intrinsically have the Holy One inside of me. I have Christ inside of me. I cannot be contaminated. I can't be contaminated by you. I can't be contaminated by your lifestyle. Can I go a little bit step further? I'm not threatened or scared by your lifestyle, even though I don't understand. I go, God, help me to understand it. Whatever I'm in fear to, I can't change. So we have to, and this is the reason why we stay in our little spiritual enclaves, because we're afraid of getting spiritual cooties out in the world. And it's based in fear. It's not based in faith that the power of that holy anointing on the inside of me has the ability to break the power of uncleanness in people's lives. And I can walk in boldness of that. The power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. The, the number one adjective that is used of the Spirit is that He's holy. I want you to think about that. The power to impart holiness. Now let me show you something. This is powerful. In Matthew chapter 12, let me show you this. In fact, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. This is where I'm really going to tinker with your mentality. For good. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority, watch this, to drive out, my NIV says, impure spirits and to heal every disease. This word impure is also the term unclean. Okay? In fact, out of all the spirits that Jesus casts out, and for anybody that may work in deliverance or casting out devils or freedom and bringing freedom to people, like we were talking about sozo earlier, different things, different, different systems by which people are free. If I can respectfully submit this to you, if you can remove the concept of deliverance out of your mind, if you can remove casting out of devils out of your mind, can I submit this thought that it's actually a ministry of cleansing people of uncleanness? And that it's actually, it's not about deliverance, it's actually about sanctification. This is why the very first thing that Jesus did, read Mark chapter 1, read Mark chapter 2, not right now. When he went to villages and he went to cities, what's the first thing that he did? He preached the kingdom, and it says he drove out spirits. Why? Because unclean spirits enslave man to live unclean lives. This is why I've always said deliverance in the traditional sense is actually a ministry of sanctification. He didn't try to teach them the theology of sanctification by which they have mental assent. Because you can't just mentally assent to a theological position if you're actually still bound up in, with unclean spirits. Now watch this, watch this. Let me show you something. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, we're just going to run through a few of these scriptures, about a half dozen of these scriptures. And I'm going to show you this. When an unclean spirit, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, comes out of a person, it goes through the place, it goes through, uh, uh, through and places seeking rest and does not find it. Right there, that word is unclean. Again, this concept of uncleanness would have brought the mind of the Jew back to this uh, understanding of Leviticus, of cleanness and uncleanness. Are you here? Mark chapter 1, verse 26. 
The unclean spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Notice he didn't say, you know, a spirit of gluttony or what what are some of the popular spirits that are oftentimes in deliverance ministry? Just just kind of shout them out. Rejection, abandonment, fear. What would you say? Pharmacia, witchcraft. That's right. Good one. There are various ones. How many know that sometimes there's, there's, there's like, listen, 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 listen. I mean, there are so many demons out there. I'm like, I don't even know if Jesus knows they exist. <laughs> I like to do it old school way. You know, old school ways. Let's get the chief and all the little minions underneath him go. That's how Jesus did it. Spirit, what are you? I'm this. I'm this. I'm abandonment. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. Why don't you just get the big one? This is what happened with Legion, right? Right, all 6,000, I believe there's 6,000 if I'm not mistaken, the numbers in the thousands. He got the chief one, they all had to come out. Today's deliverance ministry, we sit there, oh, it's been four hours. Devil, what's your name? I'm fear. I thought, didn't we already get rid of fear? No, that was paranoia. Paranoia, fear, I guess is a different spirit. <laughs> abandonment. Uh, didn't we do that? No, that was an orphan spirit, not an abandonment spirit. That's a different spirit, but he's his cousin, so you know, you, you didn't call him off. I'd rather just say, who's the head guy inside this house? Legion, come out! And then they all abandon, all these other peripheral spirits have to come out. I like Jesus' old school way, personally. Is this okay, Pastor? Okay, good. Hallelujah. Pastor gave me liberty, so well, here we go. 